Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you have a perfectionistic child? Well, maybe you're not quite sure. Today, you'll learn from two experts on how to recognize if your child is navigating life with perfectionistic tendencies in control and what you can begin to do about it. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. If you like this course, then you'll love my foundational course on identity called Finding Me. When you are stable with who you are, you'll be able to navigate trickier relationships with more clarity and control. You can enroll by going to aboutprogress.com slash finding me. I was the stereotypical perfectionist as a teenager, for sure. As a kid, I don't remember. (laughs) But I know as a teen in the most defining years of my life, I loved to achieve. I sought my value and constant affirmation through my own success. And I was completely and independently diligent about doing the right things and in the right ways. 
Maybe you recognize your own child in that description. Or perhaps you have a kid who seems to stop before they really start, or maybe they seem lazy, insecure, or paralyzed in their lack of effort. They are likely perfectionists too. Being a parent of a perfectionist is complicated and confusing. How much do you step in? And when? Should you praise achievement or the lack thereof? What do you do with that? How can you parent and empower these unique kids? This has been one of the most requested topics by our audience, how to parent perfectionistic kids. And I totally get why, because I have one myself. Today, we are going to begin to answer these questions. And I said begin, because this is part one. And later this week, we will release part two. Our guests today are experts, moms, and sisters. Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife has been on the show many times, and her sister, Carolyn Bever. They are both back on the show to explore how to parent and empower perfectionistic children. We released an episode back in January of 2021 all about how to pursue excellence outside of perfectionism. But as part of that discussion, parenting just kept coming up. And both of these women said that they were happy to take on parenting for perfectionistic kids as well. As professionals, Jennifer as a therapist and Carolyn as a prolific violin teacher and a new interior designer, both of these women deal with perfectionism from their clients. But as moms, they also see it in their children in varying ways. They understand how challenging this form of parenting is. Today, in part one of our discussion, you will hear us clear up some confusion. Jennifer and Carolyn will teach us how to know if our kids are navigating from a place of perfectionism, why that is not something to praise or uphold, and what you as a parent can begin to do about it all. I start this interview by asking these sisters about their own professional experiences with perfectionism. You're going to first hear from Carolyn. I know you've both worked with perfectionistic people. You've worked with perfectionistic children more, Carolyn, Jennifer, and I was going to say, and perfectionistic parents and Jennifer, you probably worked with both too, just with, with your work. I mean, you primarily work with adults, but I'm sure things with children have come up. So let's set the scene a little bit and just describe a bit of, of your own experience with this. So Carolyn, how about you share that with us? Okay. And then Jennifer. Yeah. So as a violin teacher, I work with the same families for an extended period of time. And so it's of course, not just with the violin that will come up, but you know, there's a lot of kids that don't want to take on a new piece or don't want to start an activity at school or don't want to try a new challenge because the fear of not being good at it or not being good at it right away limits them and they have no sense of really what their true capability of that, you know, new thing is going to be. And so, you know, it's hard because you see them limit their experiences and then they feel internally probably bad about not doing it. You know, it's, there's not an appreciation of the process 
and or the appreciation of the failing and the appreciation of what we're going to overcome with those challenges and how to settle ourselves down. And then, it, you know, of course, the parents sometimes bring their own anxieties into it as well. And so you can see the kids managing the parents' anxieties and their wants for their kids. Hmm. It's, I find that that is honestly sometimes the hardest thing is to have the parents and the kids assuming that their parents know everything and that their parents are fully developed. You know, yes. rather than these are two people in this room and a triangle with me and we all have our limitations, but we owe it to the kids in the room, the child in the room to manage ourselves, manage our own, you know, anxieties and wants for this student to figure out what is their capability at this level? How can I bring them to the next level in a way that is you know, allowing them to figure out what their strengths are and how they can manage to go to that next level. Mm -hmm. I'm remembering from our first interview we did together, Jennifer, you said perfectionism is a lack of development. And we can expect that in kids, especially those right. who are doing things like being in, you know, learning how to become an incredible musician, like the students that you have worked with for many years, but also in their parents and how those two work together. And I'm sure a lot of people listening don't have, you know, children who are at that advanced level of musical training, but they still are exhibiting these behaviors and signs. Mm -hmm. And it's important, like you said, to also manage how you might be contributing to the problem. We're going to get to that more, but that's a nice way to set the scene a bit too. And, and Jennifer, before we dig in more to the conversation, I, I would also love to hear from you. What has this looked like dealing mm -hmm. with profession, perfectionistic children in your personal and professional life? Yeah. Well, I mostly work with adults, of course. And so, you know, the perfectionism is just so much a part of the human experience. It's something mm -hmm. where so many of us until we reach a certain level of development, which often is like around age 70 when we get over it. Um, but, <laughs> no. <laughs> but there is this kind of linking of value with flawlessness that's, or superiority. It's really hard to see our way through, especially when we're younger. So, you know, I see a lot of adults that are still grappling with those that they were struggling with as children and, and are still trying to work their way out of as adults. So I see it more in that frame. I, you know, I can talk about this more. I certainly have seen it in my own children and I've seen my own problematic role in some of that, how some of my own perfectionism has exacerbated some of their vulnerabilities. And so, you know, I kind of know it mostly on that level when it comes to kids as my own kids. Yeah. And it was fun to hear more about your son specifically last time and yeah. just, yeah. And just how you, you know, you're like everybody else, you're human, you bring your own anxieties yeah. to the table in parenting. And that's a big yes. part of what we want to talk today about today is how we as parents can better show up for and empower our perfectionistic children, yes. especially when they are at a prime time of development. That's right. In this way. So they don't, you know, get into the patterns that many of us are still working on ourselves as adults. So this might seem like a dumb question, but I think it bears discussion 
where does perfectionism come from? You've both talked about this a little bit here, anxiety, lack of development. It's just the human experience, but with kids, let's pinpoint that a little bit more. Where is this coming from for them? Well, you know, right. As you were saying, like, this is a lot to do with human development. And so as I've talked about before, I think on this podcast is that when we're first born, when we're young, we don't have a reference point for our value, except to look to other people to tell us we're okay. And human beings love success. They love competency. They love talent. So it's not hard for kids to figure out pretty quickly what gets rewarded, hmm. right? What, what gets paid attention to, what gets celebrated. And because you're trying to earn your value just naturally as a child through other people's eyes, it can be, unless you have a parent who's very clear and is a strong antidote to that kind of thinking, you can very quickly feel like if I'm not good at reading, I'm less than the kids that are good at reading. It's just natural to say like, I, my mom looks worried when I can't read that word. And she seems excited when my sister can, for example. And so it's very easy to quickly start understanding that competency gets rewarded. And if you see your own incompetencies to feel that that makes you inferior. So that's, you know, learning this lesson that we all genuinely matter, that we all have inherent value that our gifts are not indications of our value. They're literally gifts. I mean, that is to say, we are all just sort of in certain bodies, certain experiences that we haven't chosen. And we get the benefit or the challenge of those positions and to be humble about that and clear about that and hold on to our value in the face of that is a spiritually challenging process that takes time to really work ourselves out around. And, you know, we can talk about this more, but who your parents are, the messages you've heard around who you are as a human being will certainly make a difference, but it isn't everything because it is a developmental process. Even if you have the world's best parents that you still have this meaning to work out within yourself. Biologically, some are more anxious and sensitive to these things than others are. So some will be naturally more inclined to be perfectionistic and conscientious to a detriment than others. So there's also a biological piece in this. And I think that any, any person who has, you know, two or more children, they, they see yes. a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Kid, well, not a lot of times, every time a kid is born in certain ways, not that I can't be nurtured or developed, like you're saying, but you just, you see that difference almost from day one, you can see yes. the differences in how yes. they are showing up to the world. You know, Carolyn, early on in the, in the interview, you said something about how perfectionistic children have a fear of not being good. And that to me is a big part of the problem, right? Because with their, you know, underdeveloped minds and immaturity, like they only see things in binary. So right. good does not have a real clear definition. It's Right. It's extreme. I, I, I think what, yeah, what in your experience has shown that to be true? Yeah. I mean, I think again, it's all this, you know, ambiguous reference point, right? What I think is good, what they think is good, what their parents think is good. You know, we can't, you know, having that external reference point is our issue. That's our biggest thing to overcome is how do we, and of course, in their development, understanding what they are capable of 
what are they in control of? Because with external referencing all the time, we have to, of course, grow out of it. And we have to figure out, you know, I do want to do good in the world. I want to do the right thing. But what is it that I believe hmm. is the right thing? And, how, you know, I remember growing up, you know, and just having grown up say like, you're going to get to know yourself. You're going to really know who you are. I didn't know what they were talking about mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. <laughs> I still think it's such a vague way of saying it. Right. But, you know, until you know what your capacities are, what are your limitations? I know what I'm not good at and I can forgive myself for that. It's easier to forgive myself for what I'm not good at because I do have a few things that I know I am good at. When you're a child and you're an adolescent, a lot of times you don't know what you're good at. And so when you know what you're bad at, it's much harder to bear that Hmm. because then you don't have a sense of just even stability of gosh, you know, it seems like Sally has, you know, X, Y, and Z, and she's got a better Barbie collection, whatever (laughs) I remember, you know, growing up and just thinking, gosh, like, God, what, what, what do I have, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was never, you know, the student that was really a master at anything. And so when I see students grapple with those things, it's just, it's so painful to watch them go through that, but there's no other way. You have Mm -hmm. to go through it. You can't, can't solve that problem for them. You can absolutely guide them through it and manage yourself in the process and learn as an adult from them. But as parents, we have passed a lot of, of, of our own insecurities onto them and giving our children the gift of accepting our limitations, not asking our children to fulfill something for us that their job isn't, that isn't their job. They can track it when we do it. You know, it's so horrible when we, when I see it in parents and I have to sometimes even just say, you know, remember this isn't about you and uh, you know, Mm. this is about the process and we want to help them, you know, with the work ethic and with the, the perseverance, not the product. That's where our jobs are. Mm-hmm. And that is something I feel like I've learned only as an adult fully mm-hmm. is that the transformation lies in the process, not the outcome. Right. That's mm-hmm. where the real growth is, but you can't go through that if you're not willing to also accept failure as part of the process and your own limitations as you go along. And I, we're going to get way more into some practical ways. Parents can model this, teach it and, and beyond. We've kind of talked more about the why, why they struggle with perfectionism. I, I, I do want to talk before the tips about what it can look like, because it's not always the stereotypical behavior you might expect in a perfectionistic Mm -hmm. child, but it also might be that too. So stereotypically let's go there first. And then what is that? Is that a word (laughs) unstereotypically? What's the word? Sure. Who knows? It's a good one. Okay. It's now it's a word. (laughs) Okay. So let's start with stereotypically. What could it look like? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we know it in sort of two forms. I think one, the stereotypical one is of course, conscientious. Nothing is ever good enough. 
trying and trying and trying, spending hours on a paper because it's never quite perfect enough. So I think a lot of times people say, I'm not a perfectionist because they were never that, or they're looking for that in their child. And I have one child who does lean in that direction, Mm -hmm. super conscientious, super, you know, kind of hard on herself if she's not done it really well. But then the other version can be in this don't try version, right? Don't, don't even extend yourself into that uncertainty because if you fail, it will crush your sense of yourself. So it can look like not caring. And, you know, I remember one of my kids saying to me, mom, this is not about not caring because it seemed like an underexertion, like an under, you know, and it's more like I'm, I feel some paralysis around, I don't want to expose myself. I'd rather say I didn't try then try and fail. And a lot of people do that and they'll call themselves lazy or they don't care, but it's really for very many people, that is not the right picture. Mm-hmm. That's the same things Carolyn brought up about anxieties yeah. and fear of not doing, doing well with an unknown, right. ambiguous definition. Anything to add there, Carolyn? Well, I mean, I would just say, I think some of your listeners might really understand the word perfectionism, but you know, if I have some violent families that are going to listen to this, I just, you know, even asking, I had, you know, a conversation with, with Leah, my design business partner about some of her thoughts around it. She's 27 and just kind of wanting a, a perspective. And even in talking to her, I realized that she was referencing it as a good thing. Yeah. Mm. And I just want to be very clear that, and I, you know, again, your listeners understand, but it's really a lack of development, right? We aren't there yet. This isn't, it can look like over-functioning. It can look like under-functioning. Either way, we're not at peace. And either way, we're externally referencing. And so I just wanted to just, you know, and she was saying, well, gosh, it's not even like I got it from you guys. We watch movies and Mm -hmm. you see this, this image of this perfect life, this perfect doer mm-hmm. this per social media is brutal yeah it's brutal yes. and it just causes so much pain because of course you know we don't have to go into this but again it's the kids that I am teaching now it is much harder for them to get positive messages of what it is to be a normal human being yeah. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what they can look for are, you know, 
those examples of, of perhaps compulsive behavior where they can't stop until it's good enough. A lot of anxiety, focus on failure, their inadequacies, overachieving. And we also can focus on those who seem apathetic or lazy or frozen, you know, Mm -hmm. paralyzed, not trying, Mm -hmm. but for all the same reasons that the root of knowing who they are is externalized. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I notice it in depression. Yeah. You know, seeing some, that paralysis and, you know, just real sadness. Yeah. Right. Some people that are depressed and under-functioning, it sounds like an insult. So I don't like that word, but they're not, yes. they're not engaging in the, into the activities that they may want, even on some level that they may value. And that can be exactly that, that the depression is like, they maybe came out of a system or a family that was very high demand or that they have a high demand within themselves. And so they don't go do those things, but then it reinforces the sense of I'm a failure. I can't, which increases that sense of paralysis. So it can be a really challenging meaning spiral that is very easy to get into now, and especially for young people I mean I was listening to a podcast recently about social media and especially its impact on girls who have much higher as a collective adolescent girls now have much higher depression and anxiety scores because they're getting on these forums and seeing all these perfectionistic images perfectionistic ideas idea that they're getting left out of things because friends are tagging friends that's you know just a kind of awareness of of a very curated picture of humanity and then judging themselves against that and it's just brutal it's just it's such an insecure time already to be an adolescent even in the best of circumstances there is Mm -hmm. so much uncertainty your body's changing you have acne you don't yet have any sense of what your real capacities are very few people know have any idea what they want to become at that point And yet they're trying to manage this question of their own value. And so that perfectionism is just in so many kids' hearts because they're trying to establish that they matter. And, you know, I don't know what we do about social media, but it is very, very unkind to our kids. I'm glad that you brought that up. Kind of all of us, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not just kids. It's It's, it's all of us for sure. And, you know, even, you know, 20 plus years ago when I was a teen and, and, I remember routinely in my middle school and, and high school times, just staying up late at night, but not because I was doing things, although that usually was the case, but I was staying up late at night, basically in this pit of despair over how bad I was and mm-hmm. always, you know, yeah. and I think that's way more common than when you think yes. it was even outside of the social media age. And yes. so awareness seems to be a big part of the thing that we need to tackle as parents is just trying yeah. to look for these signs, whether they are exhibiting overtly or just, you know, as a parent, you can sense that something's different or yes. something's going on with your kid that you have to dig into more. So let's, let's move into some ways that they can actually help their kids once yeah. they have more of awareness. I, I think this is something they're struggling with. And what they can do to help these kids learn how to have an, a more internal reward and value system inside of themselves instead of on the outside. Yeah. Carolyn, how about let's start with you? Any, any ways that they can start? Yes. I love going before Jennifer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I say things and then she says it way better. No, I, I first, I guess I also want to say is, you know, it takes a village and yes, I'm an educator, okay. but I really like the idea of we're in this together in all ways. Hmm. So if you teach something in like your church or in your, you know, 
4-H program. Like, I think that we have a big impact on kids that are not ours mm -hmm. because they don't push from that parental role. And I just, you know, we all want to hug the people that have influenced our children's lives because mm -hmm. we can't always do it for them. And I just want to kind of invite the listeners to just make it a priority to look after yeah. others' children's, yeah. you know, struggles. And we circle the wagons, circle yeah. the wagons. Yeah, exactly. Circle the wagons. And just know that, you know, we, if we think about the adults that made a difference in our lives, Mm -hmm. it's a big deal. It's a really absolutely. Yeah. And we know that too. I mean, you know, sometimes it's, it just has to come from someone outside of the family. So have that awareness of your sphere of influence outside of your family, but also use it. Yes, exactly. Okay. Have the confidence yeah. that you can yeah. make a difference and those little things matter, you know, just again, like, gosh, I really appreciate your efforts and, and help with this, you know, so, yeah. something that, and again, and, and we're praising the correct thing, right? So I would say, you know, my first tip is to praise the process, mm -hmm. you know, pr and praise the failure, mm -hmm. praise the, the, the settling down of the failure, you know, settling yourself down to, to, to handle the failure and, and reminding them to find the joy. And I know it's not so cliche in the learning, but not the result. Like life isn't about this end thing. We're not going to yes. be happy when we get somewhere. We're going to yep. be happy today if we choose to be happy and, and in the little things that give us peace and pleasure. You know, I have to tackle after this call really scary things, right? Mm. And, you know, I, I have to move through it. That's the only way to get to the other side. I can avoid mm -hmm. it. I'm not going to feel better. It's going to hurt. And then it's only going to be harder. So it's like, you know, just pushing myself and my students to make small steps to get to that end. And, and we'll feel so much better when we do. I also think telling stories, I tell them to my students all the time. It makes me a real person. And I always tell, you know, of when this person said this and how did I manage it? And, you know, what we're, and don't always tell the happy ending stories, you know, mm -hmm. tell the ones where they were brutally challenging and you still got, you know, made fun of, or you didn't get, the grade you wanted or whatever so that they know you're you're real and you're in this with them and and then obviously my third tip is to keep track of our own insecurities you know <laughs> our kids are not there to massage our egos and to make you a more successful person whatever you know silly notions that we have and and so don't transfer them and give them the gift of accepting yourself don't pass that yes. on to them you know <laughs> give them the gift of of acknowledging what it is to be human. Mm -hmm. It's hugely loving and, and it's the way we can break the cycle. It's such a trap that's so easy to fall into because there's nothing more important to us than our children. And because yeah. of that, there it, it's, it's easy to understand why we can place our value as parents on how our kids are performing and how they're doing. And so, like you've said, it's this nice balance of removing our own insecurities and acceptance while also encouraging 
this process in them and modeling what that looks like. I love that you brought in storytelling. And, and by the way, we have a link, we have some language in our, in our community called the process and it's small wins built over time. And, mm-hmm. and that's what you, you exactly. teach with. Yeah. Failure along the way. Thank you. Those are fantastic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jennifer, she took them all. Oh yeah, I was going to take that. Well, I was going to. Before we move on, I'm sure you have some tips too, Jennifer. But can, can you help well, us? Well, apparently, I've gone first. I would have some. No, I'm <laughs> I, I am convinced you guys should have your own podcast. I'm like, I love, I love it, this. Uh, what is yeah. settling down? I learned this from you, but some people who've heard that language or or maybe it's their first time hearing that. And they're like, what does that mean? Settling yourself down, teaching, how do you teach a child to settle down Mm -hmm. when the fear and the anxiety, the failures coming up? Yeah. So that's a great question. I mean, I think that in some ways just to track that we are getting anxious when we're mapping our child's anxiety or that our perfectionism is getting kicked up when we see our children failing or succeeding for that matter. And that we're in sometimes without even recognizing it in a state of mind in which we're trying to prove something about ourselves through our child. And so the best way to teach someone else how to settle down is you have to be settled down yourself. So, Hmm. so you have to start with yourself and I'll, I'll tell this anecdote. So uh, my oldest child is on the autism spectrum. And then my, I have three children, but then my youngest is, is not, but, and they both were taking violin and my youngest wanted to be a violinist from about, you know, 12 months of age. She just was always wanted it, loved it, craved it. My oldest is more, you know, a mathematician and very, very, cerebral, his motor skills are very challenged for him. And so I would sometimes have these experiences of going to these camps where my oldest was the, by far the oldest child in his respective group. He was sometimes getting tracked by the teachers and adults as odd, like they didn't quite understand what was going on. I could track that they were not sure how to relate to him he would be working so hard, but he would not be doing it as well as even he wanted to be doing it. But he was working so hard, which is like, makes me yeah. like, you know, he wanted so much to master it. Hmm. And then, and then my daughter would go into her respective classes and she would be the most exceptional and the youngest. Right. And so there was like this duality of, of, what it meant about me pulling me in both directions. And I could see myself not being a good parent in both situations, just to be Mm. really honest about it. Like I, I could feel my anxiety going up with my oldest and I could feel my pride in the worst sense of the word with my youngest. And I didn't like either thing about me. I, I, I could feel that this was wrong. Like, that it was off. And the thing is, is that whether or not I wanted it to be true, my children were mapping me Hmm. because they're smart enough to track who the parent is, you know? And so I remember actually calling Carolyn when I was at the camp and just having a conversation with her. And I can't remember specifically what, what we were, how I was talking to her about it and what she was saying back, but I just knew like, I've I've got to stop this. I've got to do better. And I have to be all in 
for my oldest child and for his earnestness and his, and never mind what other people think, that's on them. I'm giving my full loyalty to his devotion and his earnestness because that is what matters. And him improving over this week, even if others improved way more or whatever, I mean, like, who cares? That's not the point. The point is his willingness to do something outside of his comfort zone, very challenging for him, tolerating that he's the oldest kid in that group mm-hmm. and still doing it anyway. It means, and that is the virtue that takes courage. It's like, that is the virtue and that it comes easily for my daughter. That's not really a virtue. That doesn't make her bad. Obviously it's just what she was more wired up to do. It's not also detracting from her hard work but put the focus on her hard work because if I put it on the product, it will undermine her ability when she starts being with people who are better and better and therefore many people who will be better than her, it's, it's corroded this internal process because uh, it's been too product focused, which I think I did too much of with her when she was younger. Like I would be you know, so proud of, of her ability but that actually infected, I think, this more genuine internal process that belonged to her because she was getting the validation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd love to go back in time and just be clear where I am now. You yeah. can't really learn it till you're in it. But knowing that, and your kids are still going to struggle with this on some level, even if you are perfect at this, so to speak, because it's the wrong yes. word, but even if you've really mastered <laughs> the understanding of this, uh, but nonetheless, the more you can really value this process that belongs to them, learning mm-hmm. how to take where they are and move forward, that they're only in a race with themselves, right? That that's a kind of, to help them see that just improving on where they were yesterday is, because there's nothing wrong with it excellence. I mean, sometimes when people say, well, perfect, I'm like, wait a minute, what's, what about excellence? Or what about becoming good at something? Is that bad? Right. And that's not, that's not the issue. As you say all the time, Monica, it's about progress, not perfection. So how do I improve on where I am and valuing that? Because that's where all the virtue is, the courage to walk into the dark, the courage to walk towards what you don't know, what you haven't yet mastered. That's, what I work really hard to value in my kids now is walking with them, understanding where they are in their own development, in their own uncertainty, in their own anxiety, and valuing explicitly the challenge that they're in and the courage that they, when they exhibit it and mm. how it comes back to give them greater peace when they walk into the uncertainty and allow themselves to be human in it. Hmm. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow or to parent those complicated but awesome kids, right? So I'm going to share the progress pointers from this episode. This is the cliff notes. So that way you don't have to try to take notes frantically. And by the way, do you know that I have transcripts on all of my episodes up on the website? So if you want to follow along that way, just go to aboutprogress.com slash podcast. Okay, so here are the progress pointers and my go-getter newsletter. Subscribers get this every week in a beautiful graphic form. Number one, 
Perfectionistic children can be overperforming or underperforming. Either way, their sense of self and worth are driven by what they produce and a relentless fear of failure. They're afraid of the process of progress. Two, as a parent, your challenge is to separate your own sense of worth and value in parenting from how your children are performing. Number three, tips for parenting these kids include circle the wagons and use other people to help your child learn to progress outside of perfectionism, model and praise the process of growth, and use stories to illustrate the important role of failure to your children. And number four, most importantly, as a parent, you must start with better managing yourself. And there's a lot more on that coming in part two. Speaking of which, that will be released later later this week, and it is full of more advice about that last tip in particular, as well as additional practical tools you can use to parent your perfectionistic child. So do not miss it. I'm going to share the Do Something Challenge and our Progressor Spotlight at the end of part two. And, you know, before we go, was this episode helpful for you? If so, here are two easy ways for you to support the work that we do on About Progress. The first is to share about the show. And the second way to support us is to leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Even a short review or just a quick rating, it could take three minutes of your time. It goes a long way to helping the podcast reach more ears. Thank you so much for listening. Now go and do something with what you learned today. And I was completely and independently poop. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.